Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, here on Monday with Dr. Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi, Renee. Hi, everybody. Uh, we're uh, I'm Dan Shaver, my company's Peak Performance Strategies. Uh, I help individuals get a competitive edge very quickly, moving far away from their competition. And uh, that's what we've been talking about here. People who uh, want to perform really well and, uh, and make the best of all the skills and talents that they have. Absolutely. And Dan's been here for months and months. So every Monday, <laughs> I feel like it's been a whole year, Dan. It's almost, almost like that. Almost like that. So every Monday, Dan is here to give us tips, to give us um, advice when it comes to peak performance strategies. And so last week we were talking about, um, we ended talking about unconscious competence. And so our question today is how much is unconscious competence costing you and your company and what do we do about it? Great. Well, I think we have to start out with the people on this call know way more than they know that they know. And unconscious competence gets in the way when people who are in leadership positions really have the responsibility to develop the people underneath them. And that's a challenge. We, Renee and I have found that as we work together in a variety of organizations. So, but, but it's, it's really invisible. Uh, you know, somebody who can uh, do stuff automatically. Well, I'll give you an example. I worked with, uh, you, you know, I've mentioned, I've worked with Hewlett Packard executives around the world, senior people that run countries. So a guy who was running New Zealand said to me some years ago, he says, you know, he said, I made probably close to a billion dollars in, in uh, revenue for the company here. I said, so how did you do that? He says, oh, he says, just being myself. And I said, okay. I said, but let's say I come to you to work for you and your future success has to do with how well I perform. And, uh, and I have to depend on you to teach me what you know. The reality is, is that you can't teach somebody something that you don't know that you know. Everybody here makes decisions quickly, unconsciously. You know, it's like a pitcher that knows when to throw a particular throw, a, a uh, uh, you know, quarterback who knows when and how to throw a particular pass and run a particular play. It's already in their subconscious mind. They don't even have to think about it. So, it's like when you know something, Dan, so well. You've been doing it for so long. Right. And you've been doing it repetitively for so long. that right. It's just like driving. It's like driving. It's right. like driving. And, and so what we find with companies, it becomes important for people who are leaders to identify the tools they have in their toolbox that they don't recognize uh, because you could have tools in your toolbox, but if you don't know that they're there or you use them automatically, you don't know what tool to pull out to give to me to help me with what I'm doing. So it, it requires people to spend some time looking at what they're doing and how well they do stuff. So if I, I came to uh, 
to came to to recruit cybersecurity professionals, and I was working for Renee. It, it wouldn't impress me as much that she did the level of work she does with the level of clients that she has. But I'd want to know how she does it. Yeah, how did you decide to do this? How did you decide to do that? How did you decide to find this person here or someplace else? And I'm working right now with a, a staffing company who is, uh, as a matter of fact, you're going to be talking to. So it, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting how much stuff comes on automatically that people don't know about. You know, and maybe it's a good time to just review uh, the levels of learning. You know, uh, mm -hmm. unconscious incompetence. I don't know anything, and I don't know that I don't know anything. We run into those people all the time. Hilarious. And, then, and the next level is conscious incompetence. I play blues guitar. I don't play sax. Okay. Conscious competence is, you know, what you do. You're going into some of, you know, the tools you're going to use. You plan on them, and you focus, and you... Uh, Adjust the tools you're going to use based on who you're talking to. Unconscious competence is what Renee said when you do something so well that you don't even recognize that you're doing it. And Sandra said it too here. Hi, Sandra. She said it becomes second nature. Right. It becomes second nature. So the, the important thing is to, uh, to look at what you do well and to categorize it or list it, you know, almost like a SWOT analysis on yourself. What do you really do well? Now, that requires people to understand why God made their arms so long. <laughs> so, so you could pat yourself on your back from time to time. But most people don't do that. So it, it's, uh, it's an important dynamic that plays into taking leadership to another level. You know, um, so the people, and I found it, it's, it was amazing to me with the level of executives I currently work with and ones I worked with, particularly people who ran whole countries for Hewlett Packard, mm -hmm. uh, how much they knew that they didn't know that they knew, how much of it was unconscious. And it leads people to say, well, rather than try to, teach somebody that works for me how to do this, I just got to do it myself because I get it right. Well, that's true, but the day you don't show up, the day you're sick or, you know, two seconds after you retire and everybody goes, what? He's <laughs> Who's going to take care of this? And, mm -hmm. so it, and, it's, and because it's second nature to you, just like our commentator comment said, it's not second nature. Yep. I agree, Dan. So we have a guest, somebody joining us from Nigeria. Folo Runso says, happy to join from Nigeria. Hello. Happy, Hello. We're happy to have you here. Um, so, Dan, when people have unconscious competence. We all see you, you know, you talk about so many different things. You talk about, um, I think last week we talked about mistakes. So right. I'm curious as to the people who the unconscious competence and the mistakes that they may have made, maybe even some of your clients before 
coming to you. So their own mistakes, not not mistakes that other people have made. These are people that the unconscious competence people are making. Well, you know, when I look at mistakes, when I, I tell people what I do is I sell mistakes. I sell mistakes that I've seen my clients make before they became my client, before being a definitive word, and what it cost them in money, emotion, or reputation. So I'll give you a classic example. We just ran an event. We had some sponsors. One of the sponsors is a, f- a friend of mine for years. Uh, he's a uh, he, he manages huge uh, real estate development projects. He's also an expert witness. So I said to him, give me a mistake that somebody made before they came to you. And he said, oh, he says, there's a very, very famous restaurant in the city. And I was, I was talking to the owner about refurbishing the inside of the restaurant. He said, so he got a, uh, uh, a contract, a construction contract, all the legal documents and what they were supposed to meet up with. And uh, he called my friend up and he said, well, I'll be able to meet with you as soon as I sign this contract. And Alan said to him, don't sign the contract till I read it. He said, well, he said, my lawyer drew it up. And I'm thinking to myself, your lawyer might be a fantastic lawyer, but not an expert witness in construction situations. So Alan read 200 pages of this thing. Wow. He added one word that saved his client $150,000. He added the word latent. He said, you just have to put latent in here. And then that, that changes it. That changes the whole perspective. And the client said, ah, Alan, come on. It, it was drawn by a good one. He said, that's true. He, so what Alan does, and it's very interesting, and he does the same thing you do, right? He brings teams together of competent people. Uh, and he knows who to pick for what project. And so he's got a huge resource. He's doing a big project right now offshore. Multi, multi-million dollar project. Awesome. And if I tell you he's on the phone Eight hours a day with people, it's, it's an understatement. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you don't want to go forward. You want to avoid at all costs going forward without talking to somebody like him. Right. You know, I I was at a meeting probably six months ago, and an accountant was saying to me, you know, he said, I just uh, took over uh, a new client who had a $40,000 tax penalty. And I said, well, how did he get the $40,000 tax penalty? He said, there were some things that had to be done that his accountant told him he thought he knew how to do it. I'm sorry. Thinking you know how to do it is not the same as knowing how to do it. It's not going to cut it. So once again, it's one word. What's the one word in there? I thought I could do it. Well, too bad. And and I think that's another thing. You have to be careful about people who who are – inflating in their mind their own ability to handle things mm-hmm. or that don't want to share it, don't want to give it away. If I keep it and I do it, I'll make more money than if I share it with somebody else. Right. It isn't worth the cost of the mistake. Now, if we're talking about people in cybersecurity, that's what we've been talking about that since we started 
a millennium ago. It was <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, how, how many people really have to, uh, how much do they know that they don't even know? Right. And cybersecurity people are talking to people who don't nearly have the knowledge or the understanding that they have. There's a good point that brought up here. Sapphira says, I can't even get into an IT entry-level job and they're all asking it for three to five years experience. And I think that's indif- indicative of, Dan, what you're talking about. Like people who are unconscious, they have unconscious competence and not passing down that knowledge to, you know, more entry-level folks. Right. And, and you know, it's... I guess three to five years experience. You know what I find is interesting about the question they're asking uh, for is that whatever you learn today is is old news tomorrow with cybersecurity. <laughs> so this is this is this is the ability to compete. See, I I would be asking I would be asking somebody who I was hiring what their dream was. I'd say that if you're talking to somebody about a job, one of the questions we ask is don't talk to them in 2020. Take them out to 2025. And I was thinking this morning, we're about 10 days away from going to 2026. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All your clients are going, we're going to 2026. Yeah. So, so you know, it's where do they want to be. Right. And there's an invisible dynamic that works very much in your favor, but it's unconscious. People don't see it. Yeah. Well, short-term discomfort versus long-term regret. If you can get somebody out to 2025 in their current position or position they hope to be in, uh, then the question is, is you look backwards from there for anything they can possibly do to foul it up. And their subconscious mind doesn't want to do that. Right. Does not want to make a mistake. So when you see 2025 crumbling, and when you imagine it, then they go, well, wait a minute, I need to talk to this guy. I can't, you know, so it's, I, I, I don't know how to address the question that somebody asked, what's your three to five years experience? No, I don't think it's a question. I think he was just making a point. Oh, okay. He's just saying like, you know, all of these companies and Sapir, he comes often. So all of these companies, which has been happening in cybersecurity um, in particular, is that they tend to, um, they say we have, you know, this huge talent gap or skills gap or how, you know, however they want to call it. And then they turn around and say, okay, for people who are newer in the field and want experience and want, and, you know, are looking for entry-level roles, there's all of these positions that say three to five years experience. So, you know, that's the kind of catch 22. It's almost like the chicken before the egg. They say they, they say they want the experience, you know, they say they need the people, but then obviously there's a training, you know, there's a training ground. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a pipeline, there's time that it takes to get somebody fully up to speed. And um, I think this comment actually really aligns to what you're, what we're talking about today, because that's some of the challenge, you know, not being able to, or not effectively and efficiently passing down that knowledge so that um, more junior level people can get in. Well, in in your experience, and I'm, I'm, 
I'm asking a rhetorical question because I know we both know the answer. Uh, what have you seen get in the way of people developing the people underneath them? Yeah, it's all kinds of different things. Um, they say budgets. Um, I've seen, I think sometimes the leadership turnover happens so fast that, you know, because, you know, insecurity is such a stressful um, environment and a lot of times shorter term. So two years or so or less where a person may come in, have to kind of build up this team really quick and then move on, um, doesn't sometimes give enough time for them to groom and grow, you know, the new crop of people in the field individually. So I, I wonder how much of it, uh, how much of the dynamic of not wanting to train your competition plays into this. Yeah, that's a good, you know, that could be a good point. I think you may have said this, Dan, but I think I actually read it somewhere else too. Or we talk about the fact that if you don't, you could train them and they'll leave or you can, did, did you say that? Did you no, make I've that? seen that before. Somebody will say, well, what if I train them and they leave? And the response to that is, what if you don't train them and they stay? Exactly. Because at some point, I'm, I'm working with a company now where, where the company is growing and they have to depend on people to pass down information to them and pass down mm -hmm. strategies, why they do certain things. And it's helping somebody get a thousand foot view of what's going on in their company. Right. Or not. See, we always come back, Renee and I have been talking about this for years. It's you know I have a, I have a client uh, and a friend who is an insurance guy, and uh, he he does amazing things with health insurance for companies and life insurance. Uh, he saves people enough money to send their kid to college, you know. So, but but again, uh, what is it? So, what does it cost to hire him? That's the wrong question. The wrong question is, what is the cost not to hire you? What is the cost not to do something? I get that all the time. You know, somebody said to me, you say you sell mistakes. Give me an example. I said, okay. I said, you tell me that you're driving from New York to L.A. with your family. And I said to you, great. I have a, a packet with information on every radar trap between here and L.A., do you want to buy that now or do you want to wait till you get to L.A.? No, I want it now. Because are the comments that I get all the time, I should have talked to you sooner. Mm -hmm. People find all kinds of reasons to put stuff off and, and, uh, and not take action. And so the cost in cybersecurity is what is the cost you not to take action? Right. And who is in a decision-making capacity? Is the person in decision? We've Renee and I have found this all for years. The people in the decision making capacity, a, don't know what's going on underneath them because there's no high up there, and they're responding to people who they report to. And so, what's the cost of not knowing what those dynamics are? And and it's you know it's not just training. Uh, it's it's personalities and how people interact with each other. And are they 
threatening people in the company or not? You know, what, what dynamics are going on that get in your way? So when you start to look at, you know, people who will say, well, I'll just leave everything the way it is right now. Uh, <laughs> well, let's wait for it to wait, wait, wait for things to change. Or I'll does wait that happen, for, though? Huh? When does that happen? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, it, but, you know, the thing is, is then the, the, you realize that there are these invisible conversations that people are having with themselves that impact on you. So I worked with a couple of cybersecurity people through Renee. Uh, we have a 90-day plan. Somebody gets into a situation. What are you doing in the first 90 days? And the biggest question is, why should we ever talk to somebody who has no understanding whatsoever of cybersecurity about our career? That's me. Because it ain't about cybersecurity. <laughs> you know, it's about all the stuff that you need to do to persuade and influence somebody to make the changes you want them to make. Right. And that's not that's not done with features and benefits. Uh, there's a dynamic, you know, people, what I find, don't really realize the way the brain works. And so everybody's used to talking about solutions and how wonderful their solutions are and all. And uh, or the features and benefits of hiring me or somebody else. And that's not the way the brain works. The brain works on skepticism reactance and inertia they're going to be skeptical about what you want them to do uh about what you're proposing and skepticism either works for somebody or against you and if you control skepticism it's fantastic but if it controls you you're in trouble because even as i'm talking now we may be throwing out some great tips for people but if they're skeptical and they're thinking skeptically right now they're shutting off everything I'm saying. So what I say to people is take a calendar, go out to January 30th, check off January 30th, become skeptical on January 30th. <laughs> Otherwise, put, put this stuff into practice. Yeah. Reactance is I don't want to be sold. Well, you, you're not, I don't believe you're selling somebody when you're talking about yourself. You say, look, here's a situation, here are situations I've seen. You either want them to happen or you want to feel protected at night. Right. You, it, you're, the, you're, the, you, you're the owner of the company. What do you want to do? Do you want to sleep at night? The way you sleep at night is to make sure that I don't sleep at night. I'm the cybersecurity <laughs> guy. We had somebody on a, on a program a couple of weeks ago, and we were questioning out what, what, what was the question, Renee, that we asked? So, Chris. Chris said that, or another uh, another person who commented said that the very first CISO said that he slept like a baby. Right. And what did that mean? And you can finish it off there. He says, I slept like a baby. I slept for two hours and I was up crying. I slept for another two hours and I was up crying. <laughs> and we, I, I've used that over and over again. But you know who's not waking up and sleeping like a baby? The guy who owns the company, if he hires the right person. So you have a choice. You're looking for cybersecurity. You want to build a cybersecurity team. You have a choice. You can go to the yellow pages or read through articles of somebody's name to pop up. Or you can fast track it and call Renee. I mean, it's how do you, you know, it's how do you accelerate stuff? Because, you know, the thing that's interesting to me, 
is is that the stuff with cybersecurity is not slowing down. The threats are not slowing down at all. I think somebody should, worse. I think somebody should make a a, a video of my, my Niagara Falls example. <laughs> the cybersecurity guys, the FBI, huh? The, the FBI had a 400% increase in, um, they saw a 400% increase in um, cybercrime activities during, while we've been in this pandemic. 400%. Yeah, well, you know, people are spending more time on their computers, clicking on the wrong stuff. I mean, I got a thing the other day that said Amazon was going to send me a $1,500 iPad. Yeah. And that I had won it. And if I just clicked on this, they would send it to me. Okay. And and somebody is going to give me a, a billion dollars in a bank account because I, you know. <laughs> They're going to sell you the Brooklyn Bridge, Dan. Well, that's what they say, you know, the phishing emails. And it's just, it's going to really increase right now around, um, as Black Friday approaches. I guess so, yeah. Very, very busy time. Yep. So that, but, you know, it, but it really comes back down to people who fundamentally have questions to ask and really have no one to ask them to. Nobody. So being alone at the top, if somebody... If somebody wakes up and thinks, gee, you know, I have to enhance my cybersecurity team, who are they going to call? Not, not Ghostbusters, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and the thing is, is that you need to have people with the resources who can help you. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, Dan, I know we're coming up on almost 30 minutes. Okay. We're at about 20, 27 or so, almost. So, any final uh, points around this whole emotional time for people and unconscious competence and, you know, being in 2020, 2026 is looking real good right now, Dan. Right. Well, <laughs> but, you know, it, it was very interesting. I found at work with HP executives who were really concerned about when they merged with Compaq about losing their job or being replaced by somebody from Compaq. And uh, they'd start a conversation off with a CEO of a company they were providing services to and just say, um, you know, and they would go as, the, as the, the, the top person. They didn't rely on salespeople. And they went out and said, listen, tell me what, uh, what five years from now looks like to you. What challenges are you going to face? Well, the next question is, why do you want to know that? Let's talk about today. Well, no, because um, we want to we want to prepare for today. Prepare today for what you're going to face five years from now. This is definitely not goal setting. Right. This is dreaming. What's your dream like? If anybody wants to try it out, you know, for an interview, uh, just say to the person's interview and you say, first of all, is the person who's interviewing really understanding what the person who asked them to find you is looking for. Renee and I have found that that's not always the case. Right. Sometimes seldom the case. 
get me somebody. Oh, we we have to put down for next week to talk about uh, competency models. Mm-hmm. How anybody hires anybody without a competency model for the position. And I know HP has a 35-item competency model for somebody who's got to be a senior executive, at least it was 12 years ago. Yeah. So what's your competency model like? And then you have a target. Because what we would do is we would work on the competencies that the individual needed to enhance, but fast. This is definitely not therapy. (laughs) This is bad strategy that people can put into play tomorrow. I'll give one example. Let me wrap it up with this. Okay. Uh, Somebody says, uh, uh, you'll say to somebody, if you're managing a team, everybody says, how you doing? How you doing? That's that's if you come from Brooklyn. If you come from (laughs) Nigeria, I don't know what you say, but (laughs) how you doing? Well, I was with a guy who wrote a book called, the guy's name is Don Gabor. He wrote a book called How to Start a Conversation to Make Friends. And we were in a very crowded restaurant. And uh, he said to the waitress, how are you doing today? She paused for a minute, put her pad down, and leaned on the table. She said, I have to tell you, today has been unbelievable. She told us more about her life in three minutes. But again, so try this with the people who work for you. Just rather than saying hello, just say, how are you doing today? Yeah. And then be quiet and see what they say. Right. Awesome. So how are you doing today? That's the question. <laughs> how are you doing today? How are you doing today? And, and, and finding out for your team because, you know, it, it really comes down to personal performance. Yeah. You know, we, we Renee and I have talked about profiling. I, I tell people who want to sell a product to somebody, you can't go in and sell it to them without profiling who you're talking to, what they need to have happen, who they are, how they communicate. Everything in training tells you not to do that, but I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. So if somebody's looking for a system to take into a new sale or a new project or a new client, you can either go in without the system or you can give me and Renee a call. Sounds good, Dan. Good way to wrap. Um, folks, Dan, thank you once again for being here. Welcome. And for everybody else watching, we will see you next Monday, same time, same place for another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity with Dr. Dan. So Mondays with Dan, folks. See everybody. Bye. Bye.